This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Ed Milet Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm pumped about today because I've asked this lady, I think 63 to 163 times to be here with us today. And she's finally graced us with her presence. And the reason that I wanted her today is I think she's so special, so unique, one of a kind in the space that we all exist in here. And she has a book out right now called Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. And man, after reading this book, is she qualified to talk about this stuff? So mm-hmm. Gabby Bernstein, welcome to the show today. So glad you're here. I started the show just with this like full body chills because I, when I connect with people after they've read the book, mm-hmm. it's almost like kind of like a fight club thing. It's like, yeah, I get you. Like I understand. And not, not only do they get me, but if they've said something to me, like you just said, which I want to acknowledge because it's really meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I read the full book. I really read yeah. the book. And the way that you looked at me, it's, it's as if we've really been through something together because if someone's actually brave enough to keep going and really take it in means that they resonate. And well, I, well, that's exactly right. Gabby. We, we do connect. Um, I relate to having some trauma. The bravery thing you just said is what I wanted to start to acknowledge you about. It was, it took a lot of bravery for you to write this book. This is not like your other books your other books are incredible, but it's not every day that someone that's so successful is willing to be that open and vulnerable about their lives. It's just, it's sometimes I think people can use, not use, but leverage vulnerability to gain attention. Mm-hmm. Whereas you already had the attention and it didn't need to sort of take the mask off and go, okay, here's who I really am and what I'm really going through. Even though you really look up to me, you think I've got it all together. I don't. That requires tremendous bravery. And I want to acknowledge that to begin. So thank you. I don't know why, bravery. but you're making me cry. It's like very deep for me, Ed, because mm-hmm. well, I was taking that in mm-hmm. because you said something so big. It's like people will use vulnerability to be seen in many ways. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it was almost like I had to see myself in wow. order to have the freedom to be that vulnerable. Wow. Wow. Okay. Here we go, everybody. This is going to be a good one. You can already feel it. So I want to read a couple of things you wrote because they stood out to me. You said, while successes continue to manifest in my outer world, my inner world was hard to maintain. And I just have to tell you, I relate to that so deeply. I know exactly what you mean. And you said, I lived in a constant state of fight, flight, or freeze, always on the lookout for something to go wrong. Man, do I relate to that. Only felt safe when I thought I was in control of my circumstances. Later, she says, Gabby says, buried beneath the successful story I'd created about my life was a terrified little girl. Now you're making me emotional. Disassociated from her past, unaware of what she was running from. And then later you go into this word you use about anesthetizing your pain and how you would anesthetize it, whether it was you know, substances or relationships or whatever they were, just relate to all of that on such a deep level. And so maybe you could just start out by 
talking about that. Where did you find yourself where you had all this external success? You're admired by millions of people, yet you're going through this pain. What did the day-to-day life look like for you on the inside in your private moments? Yeah. And I, I, I'll, I'll go into that and deeply because one of the things that came up when I wrote this book and I made the decision to be this vulnerable is that many of the people that were closest to me, my husband, my mm-hmm. publishers who have published me for decades came to me and said, this is too vulnerable. And they also were blown away. They're like, we don't even know that this was going on. Wow. Yeah. We didn't even know that this was happening. Mm-hmm. So and and so much so that my publisher even said, you know, Gabby, we are nervous for you. Mm-hmm. You're sharing one negative story after the next, and you're not showing your true strength. Mm-hmm. But I responded and I said, my ability to be this vulnerable is my true strength. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. The stories in this book, the, they, they share a story of someone who lived with a dissociated memory, a, a memory that from a a childhood traumatic event that was completely shut down, blocked out and anesthetized, as you said. Yeah. We all have that experience. Mine just happened to be extreme, very extreme. We all have that experience in extreme ways, whether it's big T trauma that we experience as children or small T trauma, big T trauma. In my case, the experience of, of having something that was so extreme that I literally dissociated that my brain just tucked it away and put it away for 30 years. Whereas for some folks it's being bullied and having the experience of feeling like they're inadequate or not good enough, or they're separate then. So we all have these different unique moments in time that will really dictate the course of our life if they are not really processed properly in the moment. Yeah. For me, it was, it was this experience. And so to, to answer your question, I, I lived for 36 years. I believe that this traumatic event probably happened when I was like five or six or around that time. I don't know all the details. So let's call it 30 years, not knowing. And in that time I had gotten sober at 25, began a very big mission driven career to write books, give motivational talks, be a thought leader for my generation. As Oprah Winfrey said, when I was on her show at 32 years old, and by the time I was 36, I probably had written at least seven or eight books, multiple New York times, bestsellers had, had, had this established audience that really believed in me had had the bravery to be vulnerable and tell the truth along the way, but didn't actually know the full truth. Right. 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 So so here I was at 36 and at that time, and this is a very common thing. And it's very important for me to share. If someone does think that they may have a memory that isn't fully developed Mm -hmm. when people make big life decisions, like decision to get married or decision to change a career decision to have a baby or when they actually do get married and have the baby, whatever it is, those are often moments when the cracking into historical trauma may occur, whether they're aware of it or not, because there's a lot of times the, one of the biggest ways that we contain the trauma is by staying in control. Yes. So when the 
control mechanisms start to get dismantled, that's when we begin to crack. And that was literally the language I was using. I kept saying it was 36 years old. I had just gotten married. We were family planning. My husband was leaving his job at JP Morgan that he'd been at for a decade to come run the business that I had built up for the past you know decade. And so all of my f- ways of controlling my life were starting to be dismantled. Mm-hmm. So without realizing it, I started to crack. And I literally said that I'm cracking. I can't go on like this. I was having mental breakdowns. My, my life had been really controlled and very manic prior to that, even though there was so much good that was coming out of me and there was, you can still be in the pursuit of greatness and be struggling. So it's important to mention that, but you know, at 36, here I am, I'm breaking down, breaking down, breaking down my, I'm having massive gastrointestinal issues, panic attacks, meltdowns, like tantrums, frankly. Mm. And finally it hit this point where I was 36 having these meltdowns. And I had a dream in the dream. I remembered being sexually abused as a child. And then I saw myself as an adult confronting the abuse. Mm. When I woke up from that dream, I was so horrified, Ed. I was in such a terror because I woke up and it was the most real experience in a dream that I'd ever had. Mm. And it was so terrifying that I was like, no way to shut that down. And I pushed it down and ignored it for a few days, days later in my therapy, opening up a little bit was enough to just blast it open. Mm. And so there I was 36 years old, remembering this dissociated memory of being sexually abused as a child. Mm. The the first few moments of this memory, I I felt like, wow, okay. That explains why I was a cocaine addict. You know, that's why it explains (laughs) why I'm such a control freak. That explains why I always feel so scared in my body. That explains why I I need my meditation, like a pill to stay sane. That explains why I've been on such a spiritual pursuit of happiness and well-being. And it explained so much to me but it also put me into a very dark, scary place of being kind of stuck back in that memory. Yeah. Can I ask you about it? I want to go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. On that. So mm-hmm. you said something earlier that's a big part of the book. And I just want to make sure everyone get, first off, you got to get this book. You guys, if you're walking around carrying something and you can't figure out why you're carrying it, there's one of these two T's you're carrying around, right? Like even for me, like I've produced all these external results in my life. Why am I always so worried? Why do I always create so much chaos? Why is it then for me, there's, you talk about triggers in the book, which we'll talk about in a second. But for me, it's like, why is it that if someone's not honest with me, it affects me so much more deeply than it does somebody else? Because when my dad would drink, maybe he wasn't really honest about where he was or what he was doing. So to me, that's a trigger for me, right? Mm -hmm. If I see someone super inebriated, like out of control, it affects me so deeply when I see Mm -hmm. it because of my experience with my dad. So can you just go to the really go back just a little bit to the two T's? Cause I think this is important. Yeah. Yeah. Some people go, Hey, I don't, I'm pretty sure I wasn't sexually abused. I'm pretty sure, you know, no one beat me up when I was a child or anything like that. So I'm cool. I, right. Think, right? I think people think that, right. That, totally. And you know, Ed, first and foremost, I just want to honor you and acknowledge you because having an alcoholic parent is big T trauma. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's capital T. Yeah. And often what we have, when we have trauma, we will, one of the trauma responses, because there's so much shame wrapped up in the trauma. And so we have a lot of different shame responses. And one of them is to deny, is to say, 
oh, well, I wasn't beaten up. It wasn't that I was straight up would do that. I'd be like, well, you know, I wasn't like living in poverty and like living through a war, you know? Okay. But I was still sexually abused as a child. You know, like, these are serious things that occur yes. and we minimize our trauma because we want to minimize the shame that we carry as a result of having experienced that trauma and never processing it. Mm-hmm. So that, the, and I minimized it so much that I literally dissociated from it, told a whole other story, created a whole other world about my life that did not, that was not true. Mm. So, so whether it's big T or small T and, and, and the fact that bullying is considered small, being bullied is considered small T trauma is so crazy. Cause that's huge, right? Like that, that it takes people's lives. Uh, but I have seen so many people have been on this book tour. I've been having all these interviews and I'll have folks like you talking to me and they'll say, well, I don't really, you know, have trauma. And then within five minutes, she's like, but my dad was an alcoholic and my mom left us. And I didn't really have a safe place to go to at home. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know what I mean? Like people, the the word trauma has so much stigma because of the shame that's underneath it. Mm -hmm. And right now we're in this beautiful cracking open of this, of the culture of the dialogue of the lexicon that we are really open and willing to begin to talk about trauma in a way that isn't so loaded and isn't so shameful and is actually uh, really almost in many ways celebrated my, when, when, when my, when my social media manager texted me and said, trauma is trending on TikTok. (laughs) I I knew we were living in a different time. Mm. I knew we were living in a different time. Where are you sitting with this now, Gabby, in all honesty, like Mm. all the work you've done, by the way, this book's loaded with tools and we're going to touch on a couple of them, but I also want you guys to get the book. So we'll touch on a few of them, but like, as you sit there this morning, you know, how would you describe your state of being now? I am so proud of who I am right now. I, I'll tell you why. Yeah. At 36, when I remembered this trauma, I, I knew right then and there, I need to write a book about this. I need to to do this, but there's no way in hell that I could put that book and that pen to paper until I had lived through the journey of undoing Yes, and returning to that place of peace. Mm. I put my face on this book cover ad. The subtitle is The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. It would be really, really dangerous for me to put my face on that cover and my name on that cover if I couldn't really stand behind that promise. Mm. So as a result of living the practices that we'll touch on, as a result of living through to come through the other side, and and frankly, there was times where I didn't know that there was a way out. But I was committed and and on, on a mission. Mm. And now, where am I now? I definitely am living with profound freedom and inner peace. Mm. Does that mean that I wasn't totally effing triggered about 13 minutes ago before we started this podcast? Is that right? No, but here's the miracle. I'm on a call. <laughs> That's so awesome that you admit that. <laughs> like so freaking triggered. Okay, so I'm on a call. And the dynamic of my, you know, I, I, I work very closely with people who are very close to me. And when you, you know, the intimate relationships in your life are going to trigger you the most. So I'm on this call and my old triggers are just really there. Yeah. But the beauty is, is that today as a result of particularly one of the therapies I talk about in the book, internal family systems therapy, which I've now been trained in IFS is about really respecting all the parts of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so rather than letting that triggered part 
that controller, right? That feels like she's being shut down. So she needs to so the shutdown. The, the girl who's being silenced, right? Has this protector part and the protector parts is controlling control freak. That's like, no, let me scream louder than everybody else. Let me make sure I'm known and heard, make sure I'm the boss, blah, blah, blah. And I've set up a world that really, it really works for that part. Right. It facilitates that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I'm in that moment and I'm feeling that part come up the controller that wants to protect me from this feeling of not being seen. Mm. And instead of screaming louder and instead of pushing, I muted my zoom because I'm like, well, even if I try to talk, they can't hear me. (laughs) And I sat with the frustration Mm. and I, and I let myself be present with the part of me that was so activated and I noticed it in my body. And I was like, this, I'm boiling. My face is red. Mm-hmm. I'm so like heightened right now. I want to punch the screen. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself, like, what do I know? I did all this in real time. Like, what do I know about this? This is, this is the part that feels like she's not being heard. She's not being seen. Mm-hmm. And what does she need? She needs to very calmly ask the team to not put these kinds of calls in the middle of a day when she needs to be creative. Mm-hmm. And to give her more space to ideate and not force her into a decision in the way that they want. Yes. That's so good. That's and so I did good. that. I did that. I was still triggered and I was still in that place, but I was grounded enough to say, Hey guys, I need it this way. You know, this yeah. is really, this is, and I even, even able to say like, this is very activating for me. Mm. And I'm feeling um, really frustrated at this time. And I would really like the space to be able to do this creative work in a different way. That's so beautiful. Wow. And, you know, and then I got on the phone with my producer and had a quick cry. And then I got on with you. (laughs) You're showing up like full out here. So I, I really appreciate, I love your, we're a lot alike. Like I, 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 uh, I like to kind of show my fragility sometimes, well, all the time when I do, Cause I don't need to be someone's, you know, icon. I want people to believe that if I can change, they can change. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and you see, so you talk about IFS therapy in the book. There's so many things like this too, but you touched on this trigger thing and then your pattern. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about triggers and patterns. Cause I think even that terminology may be new to most people, yeah. right? People that have been in therapy, they're probably familiar with that. Or even if they know how to, they read some of my stuff on changing their state and being a peak performer, they know how to create a trigger and patterns. But do you feel like, so discuss that for a second, but do you feel like also like just being aware of the pattern, like what you just said, like, all right, I'm doing it again, that to some extent, the awareness of the pattern can help it lose its power and grip over you. Absolutely. And actually, that's actually one of the first X, that is the first exercise in the book, which is really about witnessing your triggers. How do you feel? And then what are you doing to run from them? Mm -hmm. What that's doing is in IFS language, internal family systems therapy, it's nothing to do with family therapy, although it kind of comes from that core core model, but it is based on your inner family. Inside of us, we have multiple different parts. Mm. So we have these child parts, the little boy, Ed, whose dad was an alcoholic and wasn't telling the truth and you know whatever the, the storyline is. Mm-hmm. Those little exiled parts, the little boy, he's locked up. He's like under lock and key. You know he's there, but he's like real down there in the dungeon. You know, we're not talking to him, lock him up. Yeah. And then we've got all these protector parts. I'll speak for my own, right? My, yeah. my little girl, she's locked up and the little girl that was abused, she's locked up. But my protector parts are the controller, the cocaine addict, right? Even though I'm in recovery, that addict part is present. 
the the out knives out is one that I call yeah. the the outraged part of me that wants to be like you mess with me you mess with death row like I am going to come after you, and so all these parts are very extreme and they're very protective and often you might consider them bad habits you might be looking at it and say oh that's my my you know my the the, the part of me that's that wants to go pick up a drink because I can't feel that or the part of me that just wants to zone out and freeze because I can't handle this, you know? So we have all these different protection, protective mechanisms, but they're really yes. in IFS called protective protector parts. Yeah. The, they're not bad. These parts are very valuable. They have had a very important role in our inner system. And the role is to keep us safe from the extreme terror, shame, and fear of these exiled child parts. Gosh, Gary, so good. So can I ask you about that? So like, when you're looking at yourself, everybody, one of the things that I discovered in Gabby's book, and it, like I'm reading the book and it's pretty emotional for me because, you know, I, the sort of trauma I've had in my life, uh, maybe there were parts of it that were very different than how I thought they affected me. Like I'll give you one crazy trigger, stupid example with me for everybody and you. When I go on the road and I'm traveling and I'm speaking and stuff, I often get room service and I'll eat in. And it's just really weird. I've said this for like 20 years on shows and stuff. I'm like, I'm just introverted. So I kind of hide out in the room. And then I realized something as I'm reading your book, I sort of had this flash of like all the restaurants we would go in. I was a kid, if my dad was drunk and the confrontations that would happen in there and the shame and embarrassment of my dad yelling at a waiter or whatever in these restaurants in public restaurants. And I just like, I got emotional reading the book. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's why the restaurants are triggered for me. I don't want to go in these places. I've had multiple experiences in restaurants like this in public places where we were completely shamed as a family. And I was ashamed of it. And so I've realized these little tiny things about me that for everybody listening to this, like, think about what does trigger you. You know, for me, the reason I think I'm such a big communicator is I would talk to my dad and he would be not there, like literally sitting there in the room, so gone with alcohol in his system. And my dad got sober. It's a great story. But but those days, like, are you hearing me, dad? And then I have to work on being a better communicator just to get him to hear me. So many of you have all of these patterns and triggers in your life that if you just become aware, like I'm doing it again, where's this come from? you can sort of start to unlock sort of the code to you. Why does it matter? And then I want to ask you a question, Gabby, because this is what life's about, everyone. There's two things in life. It's understanding more about ourselves and hopefully understanding more about the spiritual parts of our lives of where we're going. That's why this show today is so meaningful to me for all of you, because as you're hearing Gabby tell her story, I want you thinking about your story and your awareness of who you are and why you operate the way you do. So anyway, I wanted to make sure I shared that with everyone. And I want to ask you about this. You talk a lot in the book about... Listen, one of the ways out of this is some sort of, I'm going to use my words and I'll let you use yours because they're better, but like a vision, so to speak, of what like it should look like or what your life should be. Mm. Is that after all the undoing or can someone be doing that right now? Like, this is how I want to be. This is how I want my life to look. Before I answer that question, I have to just extend a tremendous amount of what's known as self-energy. So uh, we all have this resource part of us that's undamaged and it's the self, it's the part of you that's on stage, the serving souls, right? It's the part of you that's speaking such truth right now. Mm -hmm. And I just want to extend my self-energy to, to your little boy because- Thank you. They, it was very, very moving for me to hear about you being in, so, I don't know why I keep crying with you. I really like you a lot um, <laughs> about you being in the hotel room. It's like, that's the little boy, you know, mm -hmm. just in the hotel room protecting himself. And then the protector is like the, the part of you. That's the, um, 
the introvert is a protector part, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I got to go just be in the room and I got to just protect the little boy from having that shame. And so I just want to extend a tremendous amount of compassion towards that protector part towards the little boy. I want to let you know, I feel very connected to those parts of you. I understand them. I've, I've been there. I get it. And thank you. I feel that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And by me extending that self energy to you is also igniting, hopefully some, some self within you, right? Yourself, because the goal isn't about kicking out all these protectors. It's about helping them become less extreme. Mm. So right now we can befriend that, that part of you that was, that's been kind of the introvert. We can say, dude, I think it's a male part, right? Think Mm. of it as a guy potentially. Yeah. Okay. We can say, we can say, dude, thank you. You've done a really good job keeping little Ed safe, you know, and at the same time, just become curious about him and start to befriend him and extend compassion towards him Mm -hmm. and feel connection to him Mm -hmm. and maybe even ask him what he needs, you know, when he's in that hotel room. Mm -hmm. And as we start to establish that self, that resourced self connection to the protector, Mm -hmm. the protector can calm down. That's so good, Gabby. Wow. That is so good. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I, 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 uh, I'm processing that because it is a really interesting question to ask myself. I've had to, since I had this uncovering, I've had, like, I've stayed in rooms since I went and I'm like, I mean, literally when the door shuts, my, my spirit eases. Yeah. I'm like, why is this? And it's exactly what you just described. Like picking up a drink. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's right. It's like for some people it's picking up a drink or for other people, it's whatever it might be for me. It's like, Oh, my spirit's at ease. And it's because I'm safer in there. It's such a, it's, it's, it's such a bizarre thing for to be, to be uh, a man in the world and be, you know, probably a pretty masculine man. And then know these other things about myself, this contrast, this, you know, this other parts of me that I wonder why that maybe that's potentially why I am so masculine in some ways to compensate. Oh yeah. Right. In some ways. Well, your masculinity is a protector part, your, um, your sort of bravado and your presence, Mm -hmm. but that's why these protectors there's, they're, they're extraordinary, right? Like my yeah. controller protector wrote nine books in 11 years that have saved so many people and given yeah. so much light to the world. Yeah. So, but, but now I can still have that controller part without her being so extreme. Mm. She can still keep things moving and she can still get, you know, get, get everything going. And she can also say to her team, you know, guys, I need more creative space. Right. Yeah. So that's that, you know, five years ago she, that there was no dialogue for that. Right. So it's, it's not that we want to, there's no bad parts and we don't want to just shame any of the ways that we are. We want to say, thank you for your great service and let me, my adult resource self help you be a little less extreme. And how do you do that with this vision thing I'm asking about? Like how, how does one begin to, I'm using my word vision frankly, I don't recall in the book if you actually use that word or not. I did actually. Yeah. Create a vision for the life for for your new life. And that sounds so like, everyone's like, all right, I got it. Create a new vision blah, blah, blah. But like you word it very differently in the book. Like when I read it, it's like, is it doing what you said where you sort of accept these parts about yourself and create a vision coming from there? Or is it like complete, you're trying to create a completely different person when you create this vision? Really your vision statement. And it's early on in the book. Yep. is really designed to 
it's not about getting anything, being anywhere, looking a certain way. Mm. It's about how you want to feel. Mm. My vision statement years ago, when I first got clean and sober was I want to wake up without anxiety every day. Mm. And that vision is my reality now. Wow. When, and, and so the, the vision statement process in the book is really about saying, you know, how do I want to feel in the life, in my life? How do I want to be mm. not who am I? What am I? You know, it's like, what is it that I want to have inside? And that relates to the, the parts because we, we, we never actually connect to the need. Like we never, have you ever asked yourself, like, what is my introverted part need right now? No, no one has that conversation and a very easy way to sort of guide yourself into this right here, right now is just notice a part of you that's really up right now. You know, maybe it's the controller, maybe not you, everybody listening, including you at, and notice just, there's a three-step process, notice, no need. And let's, let's start by just noticing, is there a part that's up for you? You're, you're launching this book. You're, you're in this massive way. Like, is there something that's up for you right now that you feel like could be respect it a little bit. Maybe we can work on it for two minutes. I haven't slept in much in probably uh, three weeks because I feel like anytime sleeping, I'm going to have the book be a failure. So like I'm going, when I, my protector part was, was one of your things is like, I just go into psycho work mode, like mm-hmm. psycho work mode. If that's what you, if that answers your question. So like, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Like I am like, I mean, everyone around me is like, are you okay, bro? Like your energy, your, you know, and I, I get up when I'm doing something that I love like this with you, but like the truth is I'm depleting myself right now to an extent that's not healthy physically at all. Yeah. So it's certainly there. Beautiful. Would, would I, do I have a little buy-in to maybe connect with that part? Yeah, let's go. I don't want to. I'd love to help him because what we do right now actually could really change the course of your launch and your life maybe. So let's, let's try. Let's go. So, uh, right now, just tuning into that part, what would you like to call the part? Is it uh, psycho worker? <laughs> yeah, I actually like that. I think it is psycho. There's a connotation in that. Like I know I'm doing damage to myself when I'm doing it. Okay. And it's almost like, this is a really deep, I don't know why I'm just saying this it just occurred to me. It's like, am I in somehow, um, Wow. That's sort of weird. It just came out of me. I'm wondering when I say that, like, is there some part of me that like feels like I deserve to be kind of beaten down maybe because this success of the book or something external, like Mm. is more than I'm worth. So while this is figure, I'm just saying this right now. And so, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to beat the myself right now Mm. in Mm. the making it seem as if it's to go get all this work done. You know, but I am wondering, like, it's, it's self-sabotage. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, maybe no, maybe not. Because I don't, I don't like plan on losing. So Mm. I think it's more like, I'm like, no, man, like if this book's really successful, you're going to have all this bliss and success. Let's make sure you don't. Let's make sure that even though everybody else gets a lot out of this book, you're so tired, so beaten up, so frayed that you really never want to do this again. And here's, what's really crazy. Right before you and I went on, you're like, isn't it great writing these books? And I almost said to you, I'm not going to do it again. I almost literally said the words to you. I'm not going to do it again. It's almost like I'm not going to let myself enjoy the success of this book. Like I'm going to make sure that it is such a painful, difficult experience because that's what I do. What Mm. I have a pattern of doing is like producing external stuff for everybody else, but really not getting a lot of enjoyment out of myself. The only part that I enjoy about it is the fact that I've helped someone else. 
Right. I don't let myself enjoy the process at all. Okay. So let's talk to that part of you. Okay. Maybe just for a moment, just turn your attention inward. You could keep your eyes open or close, whatever feels good for you. Mm-hmm. And just identify this target part as the, uh, you, you named it the the psycho worker. Mm-hmm. Is that who we want to talk to? Is that the part that you want to talk to right now? No, I think the part I want to talk to probably is the, uh, the person who's super familiar and love and gravitates constantly towards chaos. Like, Great job. Okay. The, yeah. the, the chaos, the chaos. Yeah. You're excellent. So just take a moment and just notice where it's located around you? Is it in you? Is it next to you? Where, where might this part be located? I just felt it literally crazy right in my chest. Excellent. Great. Mm -hmm. Does, does this part have a gender? Well, I picture me. Okay. So I picture me. So I picture me when I, when you're asking me that question, I see me, uh, but me much younger, younger male. Okay. You younger male. Great. Uh, does it have any kind of image that comes to mind? I think he's really sad. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, what I'm doing right now is I'm picturing something that happened when I was young. Mm. I'm actually picturing it. Okay. It's crazy. So, and I don't, I didn't, uh, I don't think that I remembered that until right now. So yeah. there's an, there's an even, there's an even younger part here with us who is behind the chaotic part. I'm noticing that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the younger part, I think, would he be okay? Uh, let's, let, let's, let's go slow with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else that you notice about the feeling or the, the parts that, that are, that are presenting themselves? Cause I want to, I want to address the chaotic part, but I don't want to ignore that. What else is coming up? Okay. Uh, I think I just scared. He's scared. Yeah. Okay. He's scared. Yeah. All right. And then how do you, Ed, feel towards this young, young part of you? Oh, I feel sympathetic. I want to give him a hug. Oh, beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. How does he feel towards you? Does he know you're there? No, he doesn't. Okay. Does he know I'm here? He does. He does. Okay, good. So I just want to let him know I'm, I'm re I have a lot of love for him mm-hmm. and I have a lot of connection to him and a, a tremendous amount of compassion towards him. I'm very curious about him. I'd love to get to know him. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay. So we, we, we really want to also thank him for showing up today because it's hard. It's not easy. And I want to just acknowledge that as well. Mm-hmm. So back to you and how you feel towards him. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you want to say to him? Yeah. I mean, I know what this is coming from now. So um, like very clearly, just so you know, like very, very clearly, I know what this is coming from now. So I would just tell him, man, everything's going to be okay. Mm. And you're loved and you're special and you matter. And it's all going to work out. Mm. It's all going to work out. And he didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't know that. No. Uh, if he wasn't in such an extreme chaotic role to, you know, stay safe, mm-hmm. what else might he be doing? It's interesting. Um, he did it once. I could see him doing it once in a while, but he, 
wow, this is really crazy. This is so crazy. Uh, you know what I just pictured? Can I just tell you what I pictured? Yes, of oh, course. Not, I just pictured, golly, this goes back to what we were just talking about. He, um, I just pictured him going back and hiding in his room. Hmm. Okay. So he feels safe there. He yeah. Feels I feel there. safe there. Yeah. Is that crazy. That's so crazy that we just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. What if he was in the room? What if he knew you were in the room? If he knew me right now was in the room? You're you, the adult resourced, yeah, undamaged. He'd, he'd feel really, he'd feel really safe. Beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. I'd feel really safe. Would you be open to sort of just noticing him and where he is right near you or wherever he is in your mind's eye? Yeah, I can see. And, and in your own visualization, say, bring him to the room with you. Yeah. He's here. He's here. Yeah. He's here. All right. And, and, and anything you want to say to him with him here with you right now? Say, I love you. You're safe. You're special. Yeah. yeah. I could see him. Can he feel you right now? Yeah, he does. That's good. He does. He does. That's good. He feels connected to you. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Ed, this is, this is the work, my love. So just, first of all, bravo. The little boy is. I want to do that. I want to do that again and again. Well, first of all, first of all, I will, I'm on your speed dial now. I'm going to make sure that, and it's my, it's like my greatest my greatest education in my life was learning this, this training, because what you just did was you retrieved the little boy mm-hmm. who showed him that your presence, your self energy is there for him. Mm-hmm. The part that you needed when he was little, mm-hmm. he needed that adult resourced undamaged father and he didn't have it, but you are here now. Yeah. You, your self energy becomes the internal parent to your entire inner family system. That's incredible, Gabby. That's incredible. Wow. So when you notice you're oh, I am a little, little emotional. Sorry. Just I don't emotional. just don't apologize. This is such big stuff and it's just yeah. so profound and it's gorgeous to have someone so um, has, who has done so much personal growth work to demo with, because it's mm. so easy. Like they're mm. all the parts are right there. And like your mm. self energy, your self energy has all these C qualities, compassion, courage, curiosity, connectedness, calmness, all of these C qualities you already own, man. Like you've done such great personal growth work to be really living in a place of self. Mm -hmm. And so the work is really just about noticing when the chaotic part is keeping you up at night. Mm -hmm. Notice where he is in your body. What do you know about him? And what does he need right now? Mm And that simple. Can I ask you the body part? Yeah. Part of the, about the body. So, um, and again, I, I'm, most people are just listening to this in audio, but so if you're on video, uh, you know, you could, you know, my face doesn't normally look like this. So, hmm. um, I really want to thank you for that. I kind of oh want to go, I wanna, I'm going to go back there already today. I can tell you that, but I feel it when we're talking now, most things in my body, like I feel them. Yes. And you talk a lot about the body, like the toll trauma can take on your body. What about using your body to create change too? I want to ask you about that. Like, like I, like when you were just asking me that the, probably the thing that resonated the most is what do I feel in my body? 
Cause I can actually feel it. Like it was centered in my chest, like near my heart, probably my heart. And, um, I don't know why that makes me so emotional, but it just does. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. But, but like, what about the toll that trauma could take on your body and anything you can do with physically your body, not just your thoughts, but with your body to help create, Mm -hmm. um, profound freedom and inner peace. What you're referencing about the emotion that's coming up is that when we have trauma, we have the inability to be present with our emotional state, our physical state, our experiences mm-hmm. and the presence that you're bringing right now to that part, that, that, that heart centered place is um, almost like thawing out the, the, the shame freeze thawing out the trauma freeze and then emotions, big emotions can come up and we can even shake physically. Like sometimes we can have tremors, you know, when we're moving energy out. So what happens, what I'm referencing right now is called somatic experiencing therapy. And it's uh, founded by uh, Peter Levine. And Peter Levine is the one who said that trauma is the inability to be present. Because when we are traumatized, as I write in the book, it's almost as if our soul departs and we become these different fragmented parts of who we are and we break off from that self, that, that God within us, that love within us. And so we get frozen in time or we just go, you know, like fly away. Right. And so when we start to tune into the body what happens is we don't actually have to focus on the storyline and the drama and the, and the, you know, all the, the chaos, but we can really just touch into the physical experience Mm. that has so much to reveal. Mm. And by even just directing focus to the somatic experience, it begins to thaw. It begins to experience your presence. Mm. It can begin to, settle. And in that chapter, there's a bunch of practices I can give your listeners right now for self-soothing. And I really want you to take these with you on your book tour. Okay. Okay, Give me them. So uh, a big one is when you notice you're in that chaotic state, a heart hold. So placing your hand on your heart and your other hand on your belly. For me, I put my right hand on my heart, but some people it feels more connected to put their left hand there. Mm -hmm. So whatever feels more connected and then the opposite hand on the belly and just breathing deep belly breath. So on the inhale, extending your diaphragm and on the exhale, you just allow it to relax and you inhale out, exhale, relax. Do one more inhale out, exhale, relax. That heart hold sends a message to your nervous system that it's safe to calm down and it activates the parasympathetic nervous system to start to settle Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't have to be so extreme. Uh, another thing you can do is, um, tap. You can yeah, tap. Let's right talk here. about tapping. I love this topic right here. This 99% of folks don't know what this is. So this mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. So tapping is known as emotional freedom technique, and it's tapping on different energy meridians. Mm-hmm. And for the sake of this, it's just, in this case, there's one point that is called the gamut point. Mm-hmm. I call it the Holy Like when, 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 when you're, you know, like everybody's going to dinner and you're like, I got to go to my room, but I have to sit at this dinner. You know, this is when I want you to tap right here. So it's right between the pinky finger and the ring finger, that part of your, of your skin, right on top of the hand. So you're Mm -hmm. tapping on the top of your hand between your pinky finger and your ring finger. And when you tap there, this is the gamut point. And this is the point that really settles the whole system. Mm -hmm. And all I want you to do is tap right there and just say to yourself, 
I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Mm-hmm. I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And just anything else that you want to say, you can say. This yep. is a soothing, tapping point, bringing you back into the body. So good. Because sometimes the body's the easiest pathway in. And for some people like myself, it was the hardest pathway in. But it sounds like for you, that, that body-based therapy would be really extraordinary. And that's, that's, that's in the book. It's called Somatic Experiencing. Really, really amazing work. What is, guys, I, uh, I know you're like, oh my gosh, I've never heard one of these podcasts before, right? And, mm-hmm. and by the way, for those of you that are like, I don't have a ton of trauma or you're one of my guys that are watching is like, hey man, you're going a little to the, uh, to the, the netherworld here on me. Well, let me just tell you something. A lot of these things you have in your life, you are using to sort of compensate. And by the way, they may not be massive big T trauma. They may be little T trauma. Little T trauma can be this stuff like where your dad's like, ah, pipe down. You don't know what you're talking about, right? And Mm. you just feel these things um, in your life. It could be that you've had a divorce. It could be that there's a breakup. It could be that, you know, you've had a business setback. Listen, life is filled with difficult things and our ability to have tools and resources are huge. And one thing I want to say to everyone listening to this, and I wanted to say this to Gabby too, because again, I opened up with this, the courage to do this when you're already on top. Oh my gosh. Right. And something occurred to me recently, the most important decision of my life that happened in my family was my dad's decision to get sober. And, and I want you to speak to this because I think you more eloquently than anybody I've ever met can talk to this, but I want to share this with everyone and you. So about two weeks ago, I wrote this book, and a lot of it's about lessons I learned from my dad about one more. And I woke up about 3.15 in the morning, Gabby, pretty emotional. And I'm emotional dude in general. And I wake my wife up. I said, Christiane, I said, listen to me, you know, because this decision my dad made is why you and I are talking. It's why I've reached millions of people. My dad doesn't make that decision. I'm pretty sure we're not here. And I said, uh, in my case, and I said, uh, babe, someone helped dad. And she went, what, honey? And I said, someone helped daddy. She goes, Oh my gosh. I said, I never occurred to me that there's some precious soul out there. in my dad's darkest moment of his life, when he was the most down, the most destroyed, the most ashamed was about to lose his family in some coffee shop somewhere or some room somewhere helped my dad get sober. And she goes, Oh my gosh. I said, this person's changed millions of people's lives and our children's lives. And I said, here's the kicker. Do you know what qualified them to do this? their own shame, their own trauma, their own guilt, their own alcoholism, their own drug addiction, the things they're the most ashamed of and embarrassed in their lives is the very thing that qualified them in my father's darkest, most important moment of his life to change his life. And most human beings think these are the things that disqualify us from being happy, disqualify us from helping other people, disqualify us from making any difference in the world, diminish our value when in fact the complete opposite is true. And so I want to acknowledge you for doing it, but why don't you speak to everybody about that? Who's carrying some form of shame about whatever it is. Maybe it's even trauma you've inflicted onto another person you're carrying some shame about. Well, one thing I think that's really valuable to acknowledge for you in this moment also, sorry, I keep bringing it back to you, but you are just deeply moving me and I cannot wait to hug you and hang out with you. (laughs) You're so profound, but there's a story about Dr. Wayne Dyer, who I know, you know, and he was a very 
fr- good friend and mentor to me. And Wayne talks about his dad who was an alcoholic and his father was an alcoholic and was very, uh, not so safe, but in Wayne's perspective, his soul decided to come back into this earth in this body at that time to learn to be, to, to really learn and teach forgiveness and self-reliance. And when he got through his journey, he really was able to look back and see that almost in a way his dad took one for the team. Gosh. And I I think this is very much the same for you. Mm. You said it. If my father hadn't been an addict and if he, if your father had not been an addict and if he hadn't found his way to that coffee shop in that basement in a church somewhere, you would not be who you are doing what you do. No question. So I believe from a spiritual perspective that we have soul contracts with our parents and we sign that contract and we say, okay, I'm going to have these experiences and have this type of attachment bond to you. That's going to help me go through whatever I have to go through to be whoever I have to be. Of course we can always have free will. You know, you could have been like, I'm going to go be an alcoholic, but instead you decided to be Ed Milet and just show up for the world. But it, it, it is a really profound way of being able to extend forgiveness and compassion towards your father, because you can say, well, if it wasn't free for all of this, I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. But, but speaking to the, to, to the, the alcoholic and the, the part, you know, that, that we get to and what it means. There's a lot of people listening that are struggling with addiction or they're in early recovery or they're been, you know, in recovery and maybe went out during COVID. I've been clean and sober 16 years. It has given me life. It has given me, my husband's never seen me use. My son will never see me use my, 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 my readers have never seen me in, in addiction. And the commitment that I made to get clean and sober was the commitment to not just show up for myself, but to show up for others. And that's why it works. That's why your dad got sober. That's why you are who you are today. There's a ripple effect. And so when we think about that from wherever we are in our life, the value and the strength of showing up for ourselves means that we have it within us to show up for others. And that's how this really crazy chaotic place that we call this world can actually change. It has to happen with each individual. Yeah. And it started with you in this book for me, you can tell everybody, you know, we have people on the right books and I always find something in everyone's work that I believe can make a difference for you and share it with you. Then there's very rare times in my life where the entire content of their work affects me deeply and frankly changed my life. Mm. That's Gabby's work. And even today, you got a little glimpse into a few minutes of that for me. Like that whole event that I was picturing in my mind is very different in my chest right now than it was before. Yes, It really is. Like there's a peaceful feeling as opposed to like a tightness. And um, it's kind of cool. I can't wait to go back there later in a private moment and um, talk with that little dude again. And well, I, I, I hope that you start to do it all day, right? It's yeah, like, I, just, I, I, I will. I can't I actually literally can't wait. I'm going to be driving a couple hours right. when we're done here and we're going to have a great talk. That's so it. I, that's it. I, that's I love it. that. And let's, let's, we got, I, li- I can literally go with you. I'm not exact. We could go nine hours for sure. Uh, oh, definitely. hundred yeah. percent. 
But I want to maybe a couple last things just because I want everyone to get as much from this as they possibly can. You talked about two things. One was like you said, bringing little Gabby back to safety. And so maybe this for some people when they hear it, you know, is like, all right, that's a lot. But what does that mean? Like everyone listening to this, maybe listen to you and how you phrase this and frame it for themselves to just go back because you say in the book, something so profound, you say, listen, unresolved trauma that continues to come back is often more dramatic, more traumatic than the initial trauma itself. When you trigger it over and over and over again. And I have to say, that's gotta be true. I've had thousands, if not millions of traumatic emotional responses to things that were really bad that happened when I was a kid, but the cumulative blows that I've hit myself with, with this stuff over and over is far more dramatic and painful than the initial event, even though the initial event is horrific. Right. And so right. that's why this must be resolved. But what does it mean to bring her back to safety? How does give us a couple of tools, a couple of thoughts about doing so? What we did with little Ed, who wanted to go into the bedroom and who used to just go into the bedroom by himself and kind of, you know, hide. But, but instead, yeah. bringing him into the bedroom with you, feeling that yeah. safety with your with his adult resourced inner dad. Right. The self dad that yeah. was there. Uh, is exactly that. It's that process of retrieving that young part and saying, oh, little Gabby, like you're good. Like I got you right now and I'm going to speak up for you and I can care for you and I can call and ask for help and I can be vulnerable with Ed right now, you know, so that you can express yourself and whatever it is that that part needs. And so being in that dialogue and in that self to part connection, so the adult resourced, undamaged, curious, compassionate, courageous, loving, kind, connected part of us being in direct contact with that child part is how we bring him or her back to safety. I also believe that all of the therapeutic processes that I share about in this book, all the practices, all the spiritual practices were a journey of bringing little Gabby back to safety. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is, is that little Gabby is no longer alone. Does she get triggered? Yeah. She got triggered an hour ago, right. but she's not alone in that trigger. Mm -hmm. Just like I have my three-year-old son, Oliver, he's never going to be alone in his meltdowns. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to walk mm -hmm. away from him. I'm never going to mm -hmm. shame him for it. I'm never going to say, stop. I'm going to allow and, and be a presence for him. And so now I have that same adult parent parental presence for my little Gabby. And it comes up also as visions too. And, you know, I had this story in the book about that. I, I suffered from um, very serious postpartum depression that uh, yes. I, I even write in the book about how I chose a medicated path, which is really important to share as a result of when you're having a biochemical condition, you need help. And in the early days of trying to get my sleep back, because I had insomnia from this anxiety disorder from the postpartum, I was trying to get my sleep back and I was struggling to fall asleep. And so I did this practice. I just noticed in my body, where's the suffering? What's going on? What do I know about this part? This is the part that's little girl scared to fall asleep. She can't fall asleep by herself. What does she need? And I just started to breathe. She needed to breathe. And as I continued to deepen my breath, this image came into my mind's eye where I was in my son's nursery, holding him as a baby and just rocking him back to sleep. And then very quickly, that image of my son was little Gabby. It was the baby version of me. And I was able to just rock myself back to sleep and within moments was fast asleep. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, 
Love that. See, I love that. That's sort of very similar to what you just did with me. It is the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And by the way, everyone can give themselves the gift of this. And, and, and you say, well, maybe you don't have a super dramatic event that you're aware of, but I know that you can have another level of peace and freedom. I know you can have another level of bliss in your life. And many of these things just feel good to do. Yeah. Just feel good to give yourself the gift of it's like, it's the work is created. And by the way, most great work comes on the other side of pain. Napoleon Hill says in think and go rich that if you can survive the temporary pain and all pain can be temporary, then on the other side of it, you get introduced to your other self. And so whatever the level of pain you've gone through is, if it's little T or big T on the other side of that, there's this other self. If you'll work on these things that were that Gabby's talking about, not that we're talking about, that Gabby's talking about. No, so, we we are talking about it. You're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I just think that like this is the work of this time, everybody. Like there's a consciousness change, I think, that's sort of been shifting in the world. And that people now, yeah, they want a jet. Yeah, they want a mansion. When by the way, and if you want those things, I encourage you to get them, right? I have them, they're cool. But I gotta tell you something. You're still going to find yourself at 51 years old needing to go back into that room with your the fourth grade you if you don't do this work, right? And so, you know, this is a time where there's a premium price tag on peace, on bliss, on happiness, on fulfillment. And we mm-hmm. all need more resources and tools to achieve it. And so, and just remember this, you were born to help other people, each of you. You were born to make a difference in other people's lives, just like Gabby was and is just like I am and your shame, the things that have been painful for you, that's where the other self lies and where you can help other people find their other selves. So don't hide from it. Be vulnerable. If there's any lesson from Gabby and I, it's be willing to be open. You're yeah. the perfect. You serves nobody. The perfect you makes no difference in the world. It's unapproachable. It's not true. And it makes no difference. And that ought to make you feel great because you keep trying trying to be that person. And it's so damn hard to be. And then you feel less than because you're not that. And so the very thing you're trying to project is the thing that would make no difference anyways. It's the flawed you who overcomes and improves and grows that changes yourself and the world. So last thing, Gabby, by the way, I don't know that I've had a conversation that I've enjoyed more or that frankly, maybe even more importantly, I will reflect on over and over and over again than this one on the show. So I'm very, right back at you. I want to, I want to reflect that right back to you. I'm deeply moved by you and your presence and I'm really excited to be your friend. I'll keep saying that. (laughs) We're going to be great friends now. It's by the way, this was just the right timing for when it was supposed to happen. So someone runs into Gabby Bernstein right now at Starbucks and says, I was so moved by this conversation. I heard that you had with Ed Milet, you know, and maybe this sounds like a simple question. I've got your book. It's on the way, but I don't have it yet where do I begin? Hmm. Where would you recommend I just begin the process of my profound path to freedom and inner peace? What would you just say that you didn't say on the show that, you know, just a simple place to begin? What would you recommend that I do? I would celebrate them in that moment and let them know that they have already begun. Whomever is listening to us now, however, an hour and five minutes into this conversation, you've already started because the first step is to have the bravery and the willingness to open up your conscious awareness to the reality that there's some deeper stuff that we need to look at that this is no small conversation 
And to have listened and to have made it to this point with us means you are brave, you are awesome, you are courageous, you are ready, you are open, you are willing, and you can expect many miracles if you just stay connected to that willingness. Wow, so beautiful. You are, uh, I opened up by saying Gabby is one of a kind and extremely special. And I knew that from reading the book, but uh, that's been confirmed and multiplied 10 billion times today in our conversation. I cannot wait for us to meet in person. And I, uh, I'm grateful for you. Mm. I'm grateful for you. Mm. And, um, literally the world is better because of you and Mm. I'm better because of this hour with you today. And I have to believe that millions of people are better for getting to participate and share this conversation that you and I had. And by the way, everybody, I hope you share it with people that you love and care about because this could affect and change somebody's life so deeply. So Gabby, Thank you for being you and thank you for being here today. And thank you for what you do in the world and the difference you make. You're magnificent. So thank you. Thank you, my love. And um, I, I wanted to ask you, is your, is your dad still alive? No, my dad passed last year. Yeah. And that's why, and by the way, I was sober for 35 years. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I, watched, I watched him live magnificently the last 35 years. He's my hero. Yeah. And my dad, I can say this to you. This is the biggest piece of love I can give you. Yeah. My dad loved my show. He, he listened did. to every single one. Yeah. I can tell you for sure. This is my dad's favorite show. This one, that, well, cause you know, I'm, I'm super, um, like I can hear spirit and I was like, I think his father's passed and I didn't know the story, but I, I kept wanting to send him the book. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so like, I know he's reading it somewhere. Yeah. This, uh, is, this is my dad's jam right here. <laughs> my dad is smiling down on us. Like, and my dad loves all my shows, loved all my shows, but this one, these topics, this part of life, um, my dad is smiling bright. And that's the biggest compliment that I could possibly give you is that my hero loved this show today. So oh, I adore so you. Awesome. All right. All right, everybody, you got to go get happy days. The guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace. You have got to share this show today. My goodness, there's a spirit in the show today that uh, I don't want to leave, to be honest with you. I wish we could keep going. So, Gabby, thank you. I honor you. And I uh, am so grateful for you today. So thank Uh, you. Right back at you. All right, guys. God bless you. Max out your life. This is the Ed Milet Show.